Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, everyone. We are glad that you are tuning in for Amelia Baptist Roundtables. Uh, happy Friday to you. Um, I'm here with Pastor Neil. Uh, before we begin, we hope that you have been enjoying the roundtables up to this point that we have been recording this year. They are always available on podcasting platforms like Apple, Google, and Spotify. And we thank you because we see that more and more people are streaming those, and we are just very grateful because this does mean a lot to us, and we hope that it means a lot to you. We're also available on Facebook or YouTube, so come follow us and subscribe to the channel. We would greatly appreciate it. Today, uh, we, we are sort of approaching this, um, or at least hopefully, in a very somber approach. I thought about how we were going to approach this topic today. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I want to make sure it's given sort of the respect that it deserves. And I know that we can always have a tendency to lighten things up and enjoy each other's company a bit. And we may still do that. Right. Um, but it is a very serious subject. Uh, we have been asked, uh, which we ask uh, anyone listening or anyone who goes to our church or maybe knows our church, has been here before, if there's anything that we would uh, be able to talk about that would bless them or that they have a question about. So we would just love that to keep going. So if you have any questions, please let us know. We would love to address it with the scriptures. How long has it been since we've been asked this question? This is uh, three months ago. That's right. Three or four months ago. It's taken us this long to really gather enough understanding from the Lord on how he would want us to respond to this question. That is, that is very true. And, uh, the question is, um, more of a statement and then a question. Right. And we've been asked it uh, by several people uh, since it's first time asking. Uh, but li- we are, I'm, I'm living with a non-Christian. That's generally the statement. I'm living with someone and I'm married to someone who is a non-Christian. Right. Uh, is it possible to live peaceably with my unbelieving mate. And, and really from that, what can we do? Um, the person, the spouse, typically in this situation, uh, we've seen a lot of women play this out where they are saved and their husband isn't, or uh, maybe just the husband professes Christ and he may come, but there's just not a lot of evidence in his life that he's following Jesus. And, and there just can be, it can be a lot of distraught, right. but it doesn't mean that it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's just women. That's right. It can very much be a man who's who's you know fighting in years this, ago. In this relationship. Pam and I were in a church where this man came to church by himself, and uh, we inquired, and he said, "My wife left me," and uh, we said, "Why?" He says, "Well, when we got married, uh, we drank a lot, we partied a lot, and then when I came to the Lord, God changed my heart, and I tried to live a an exemplary life uh, with my wife." But she wasn't ready to change. And do you know if that uh, if th- that wife came to the Lord eventually? I do not know that. Uh, we have a situation too um, in our church, or both people uh, in this story are, are saved now, and one has been an elder before. And he he says this as part of his testimony right. that his wife found Christ before he did, and he always equated it to she was seeing someone else. That's what it made him <laughs> feel like was right. that he, and that really did, did resonate with the group. Um, but w- with that said, you're in the situation where you're, you believe in Christ and you love Jesus and you're wanting to be a part of the church and you're wanting to be a part of the mission of God and you're wanting to learn more about the Bible and your spouse just doesn't share uh, this, uh, these same interests. It just right. has not been saved. And we, acu- we assume in this situation 
that this is someone who has been saved who is married to someone who isn't saved, and that perhaps they were both married unbelievers and one has come to the Lord since marriage. Right. That can be a very familiar story, or it was just one of those situations where you were hoping that they would get on board. Eventually. You know, love is a wonderful thing <laughs> and it can, um, it can overlook a lot of faults and we need to always remember that, uh, the affections of the heart is a very strong motivator for the decisions that we make. Mm. And neither you nor I have experienced what we are getting ready to even discuss. Right. So um, it's, you know, we can't even say we understand. Right. But we do, we, know, can, we do know that God has a design for this. Oh, absolutely. And he has answers and for this. So if right. you are married to an unbeliever, what does God want you to do? Are there clear uh, directives mm-hmm. revealed in God's word to help you live at peace with your non-Christian spouse? And then we hope you are encouraged. So first and foremost, let's look uh, at the scriptures and let's see what God has in store for you as you navigate through this yeah. situation. The first thing being... Don't look for a way out. Pastor, would you like to elaborate on that? Well, let me read uh, the scripture, and then we can kind of go from there. If any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And if there's a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. So this is not just a question if someone is living with uh, a spouse who may not share their their passion for right. Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to always make the judgment that a person is saved or not, but that's uh, not our call. You know yeah. that that is not our their call. Life can be evidence of these things, and you kind of have to go by that a lot. But, that's right. But we can't see the heart. Thank God. And uh, it is so. Uh, it's it's just never easy to talk about these delicate things. No. But the first thing we need to do is just to kind of go to Scripture, and if the unbelieving or the person who is not showing interest in mm-hmm. Christ wants to live with you, mm-hmm. then the the scriptural um, you know, reference for us here is that we should not divorce that person. Right. So there is, um, you know, God <clears throat> knows that even when we're struggling mm-hmm. in our own Christian walk and in our maybe a family situation, that God wants to use us as believers in the lives of those that we're closest to. Right. You and I have people that we don't live with, but they're part of our family who probably don't know the Lord. Right. Um, but how am I just going to break relationship with them? If yeah. they want to have a relationship with me. And that, so that's sort of the first thing to be addressing in, in a conversation of don't look for a way out is, okay, there's what the Bible says about divorce. And so I think we need to be pretty clear on what that word depart means. If you continue to read in 1 Corinthians 7 up to verse uh, 15 and 16, mm-hmm. if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. Here we have this abandonment situation. So when we say... Um, Aren't there expectations? Uh, Aren't there issues or things that can be done in a marriage to where this can be dissolved or divorce can occur? I think it's pretty clear in Scripture that this abandonment uh, issue is is one sort of um, typical sort of response. Like, if I'm going to be abandoned by my spouse, well, then 
what, how could I possibly not look for a way out? <laughs> like if, if we're saying don't look for a way out and they're like, well, I've been abandoned by my spouse. Well, again, that goes back. These are two separate issues. Right. One is he wants or she wants to live mm-hmm. with the believer. The other is they want to depart, which is another way of saying they want to divorce us. Yeah. And I really feel, especially for that person, when the unbelieving spouse wants a divorce, mm-hmm. because within the Christian community, unfortunately, judgment and uh, takes place and people feel that they have been the failure yeah. in their church because their spouse left them. Right. And that simply is not the case when we look at this verse. It's the unbelieving person who wants to leave. You want your marriage to work. You love this person. You want them to come to know Christ. And it is, uh, it, it's just like a double whammy. Number yeah. one, this person's leaving. Number two, you hope that you're in a church that loves on you. Right. And is not going to be judgmental toward you because you wanted the marriage to work. Exactly. Um, I think it's so important to remind people, too, if your spouse is physically abusive towards you, this behavior demonstrates that your mate is unwilling to dwell with you in a peaceable manner. I want to be very clear on those two issues, adultery, abandonment, abuse, or those three issues. Those are serious conversations that need to be had. Absolutely. um, And serious action needs to be taken. Um, And we have good biblical reason for that. Uh, But but one thing I I thought that you had written down that was really good was you must understand that it is by God's design and not by some chance that you were saved Uh, that you are married to your spouse. And so bringing it back, don't look for the way out simply because your spouse is an unbeliever. I think that's the statement that we want to sort of start with and say, just because he or she is an unbeliever doesn't mean you get to divorce your spouse. I mean, we got to kind of stand on that and say, it's no accident. God knew it was going to happen. He allowed it to happen. So what can our responses be now that we know in our heart we are not to look for a way out, but really seek the Lord even in this? And when an unbelieving person comes to know the Lord, they want their spouse and their children to come to know the Lord. One of the difficulties that takes place is that you might have unrealistic expectations that because you came to know the Lord, mm-hmm. that it's going to be easy for your spouse or for your children yeah. to come to know the Lord. And so we need to be realistic. We need to ask ourselves, are we putting unrealistic expectations on the unbeliever? Right. Uh, we need to, uh, it's, it's very similar to that the people in the church are not supposed to judge people outside the church because they're acting according to their nature. Right. So even though we may come to know the Lord, our spouse doesn't or our church uh, or our children don't know the Lord, we don't need to put Christian expectations on them yet. And this is a different conversation, but it applies. That's also something you say to somebody who is uh, wanting to date an unbeliever, but they themselves uh, are a believer in Christ Jesus. And then you go, okay. You, you understand that just because this happened to you, the exception is not the rule, right? Like just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that eventually someday they'll understand the gospel. That's, that's sort of why there are these unequally yoked warnings all throughout the Old and New Testament even of remember, it's very important that you understand you need to seek a, a spouse that loves Jesus. So before you get married, this is specifically for people 
who have you've already made the covenant the covenant of marriage many people have already had a church wedding because we live quote unquote in a christian community or expectation that we're going to have a church wedding and um, it's very it's very cultural and so you've made this vow before god sure and it's just very difficult. So the, what are some unrealistic expectations that you should avoid? Because your, your advice is be realistic. Well, number one, that they would act like they're Christians. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So, and the other is that... Uh, You're talking about the person who has this, is living this life with, with just some suffering of, I'm, I'm, I'm married to this unbelieving spouse. You're saying they need to be re- realistic and know that their unbelieving spouse is not going to act like a believer. Right, just but, because but these, you did. But these realistic expectations uh, need to be, I, I guess you should say, attached to their spiritual disciplines and I guess their conversations with the church. Well, we're going to be getting to a, a little bit of that yeah. on how are we to act in that circumstance. Sure, sure. Uh, the other unrealistic expectation is that just because I immediately got saved, this other person's going to get saved and therefore everything is going to be hunky-dory. Mm. And you see that in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 7. When the disciples asked Jesus uh, when he would restore the kingdom of Israel, he said, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And so in other words, that's as Jesus explaining that the Father had times, seasons, and purposes that he was fulfilling in his own way. And that well, Even more specifically, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, right. and um, he is talking about being born again, not by flesh, not by the will of, the, uh, you know, of man, but by yeah. the Spirit of God. Yeah. And then he said, where does the wind come from? I don't know. Where is it going? I don't know. Well, that's the way it is when the Spirit of God convicts someone of their sin. Yeah. Um, and so just because we are changed does not mean immediately our spouse or our children are going to change. However, it's going to have a positive effect. This is kind of where we're going in sure. our next part of our conversation sure. is that we need to have realistic expectations, which means that there are certain things that God would like for us to do in this relationship mm-hmm. that would be redeeming. Right. And that flows into... Uh, another piece of advice along this path, uh, remember why you are married. And so we, we're traveling through the scriptures now <laughs> and to talking about what marriage is as, as a hopeful reminder. And that, that does play a huge part in these expectations. And I, I don't want to make sure that people hear that we're not saying this uh, lightly when we say have realistic expectations. Man, we, we know that your hope is in Christ. If you're a believer and you're married to an unbeliever, man, your hope needs to be in the living hope in Christ Jesus. And you need to pray every day and every night and just let it be your heart cry uh, to see your spouse come to salvation. Because they're probably doing that. I assume they're doing that. They are. And there are times that we all feel helpless. Right. And sometimes we lose hope. And this is why the church community should not be judgmental. Right toward someone who uh, has an unbelieving spouse or someone who isn't, you know, coming to church or whatever the issue might be. Um, We need to be graceful because the believing spouse needs that encouragement. Exactly. Yeah, what a great time to really to be the church for a brother or sister in Christ who is praying and hoping and asking the church to pray uh, their spouse. That's for right. Their spouse, and so that moves into a reminder of our marriage and what our marriage is. And so this is 
this is for anyone who's married to, to first remember this uh, as you it will also go through tough seasons. That's and, right. and that's the thing, too. Like, just because you have a, this specific trial where one of you is saved and one of you isn't, goodness gracious, all marriages are having these seasons of turmoil and pain. And, you know, we could talk for a while about those things, but forgiveness <laughs> right. keeps us married. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say forgiveness is the avenue of like growing in God's love? Like the more and more we forgive, the more we'll grow in the love right. of God. And, and if we look at the scripture that we've, that we've already read, one is that if our unbelieving spouse mm-hmm. wants to stay with us, then we should stay with them. Right. If the unbelieving spouse wants to depart or divorce, then you are no longer accountable to right, that. Right. But if that unbelieving spouse wants to stay with you, then here's one reason God will use you in a mighty way. Yep. The same scripture says, for the believing husband is sanctified. No, excuse the me. Yeah. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Likewise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. And that, for those following at home, still in 1 Corinthians 7, that's verse 14. So what does it mean to sanctify your spouse? That's always odd. It is language. And I, I mean, I can't think of something that's been more misinterpreted. Isn't that the truth? You know? uh, look, the bottom line, sanctified means to be set apart for purpose. Right. So in one sense, the believing spouse now has a is set apart for a purpose. In other words, the believer is being sanctified in the sense that they now have purpose for their home. And by being the presence of Christ in that home, you have set apart your home Mm -hmm. for the purpose of leading the unbeliever to the Lord. And again, to sanctify your mate does not mean that you will automatically bring them to salvation. That, right. that is one of the misunderstandings. But the word sanctified here, meaning that holy set apart or perfecting holiness, we have to understand um, ways in which we are sanctified to better understand why God has us in this specific he type used, of marriage. Yeah, he uses this word. When, when we study doctrine here, yeah. we study the four elements of, of salvation. Right. One is regeneration. One is justification, sanctification, and then glorification. glorification. Yeah. Um, when we were looking uh, and studying for this particular uh, topic, um, one of the writers used the word sanctification in the sense that when the Holy Spirit moved you, God was already sanctifying you. When you came to know the Lord, you were being set apart for his glory. Now in your life, you are being set apart to be used by God. And then one day when Jesus comes again, we are set apart in a very physical and literal way. We're now set apart in the presence of God. I see that so incredibly applicable in a very hopeful way to those listening who, who are wanting to be encouraged yeah. in this because of this question and say nothing is wasted. Like we don't know how long the waiting room is before someone gets it. Someone understands what the Holy Spirit is telling them and pursuing them and sees that God has been pursuing them. Like we don't know. Right. So fight, 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 man. Like go for it, right? It just And make sure that the church knows that you're going for it and you have accountability there. It's just exciting because there's hope in Christ. And it's the Spirit of God that sanctifies, and we don't know how long that prep is. That's right. And some believing spouse have to wait longer. I'm thinking of a couple of Mm. families in our church. One was within a 
fairly short, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. period of their uh, marriage. Yeah. And then I'm thinking of another one where, as uh, this man says, you know, his wife had to forgive him for years and years and years and years until he finally came to know the Lord. And he did. Mm-hmm. And he did. And that's the exciting thing is that we know it can happen. We that's know right. that God saves. So at the point of salvation, Scripture, scripture sort of declares that uh, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. And so after you received Jesus, you were then sanctified by God and placed in his kingdom. You're sanctified as you walk with Christ and grow in personal holiness. And God's sanctifying work is completed at the moment you meet Jesus face to face. That's called our glorification. Right. We see that in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 23. So when a Christian is living with a non-Christian, the unbeliever is being set apart and worked on by the Holy Spirit as a direct result of the believer's presence in the home. As we as we start to wrap up, let's focus on that. What is what is the believer's presence in the home doing as part of this sanctification process? Well, in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul asks, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? And the point is that God wants to use you, so don't depart Unless, of course, there's physical abuse and and he, and he wants the divorce and he's going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can stay there, Paul is not asking, um, you know, a, an impossible question. Mm-hmm. He's saying you don't know when. Yeah. You know, so um, one of the things that uh, so many believing spouses have to concentrate on mm-hmm. is how they speak and how they conduct themselves right we should all act like christ Mm -hmm. it's just harder in some places right when the pressure is on yeah and every move and every word is judged and nothing you do is perfect because sometimes we think well if i just live and talk a certain way, then this certainly will happen. This is where that hope and prayer mm. has to come in. Or if I fail, then I'm totally setting this person who that's already right. didn't believe in Jesus just off a darker path. And no, what that's pressure right. that's not yours. It is. Take. It's pressure that n- that very few people can can really mm. personalize uh, w- without distress. That's a good point. But again, the way the unbelieving spouse sees Jesus is through the believing spouse. I'm going to do something a little even different. Even in our imperfections. Even in our imperfections. That's exactly is key, right. That's exactly where I was going. That, that's all right. And I'm going to do something just a little different. I think this is a great time to do it. One, I want to give a message to the believing spouse. Yeah. And I want you to say something to the unbelieving spouses. Okay. Um, to the believing spouse, stay encouraged because Jesus lives and Jesus saves sometimes the most powerful statements are the most simple reminders and it's what can be sort of lost in this work-based I gotta be something I can't possibly be when we are saying stay realistic Jesus is very real and he is working even through our imperfections that's where that's exactly where I was going and so I want to make sure that we know all of us know that we serve a sovereign God and that you if you are a believing spouse Continue to obey the commands of Christ, even the one that says, do not forsake the gathering of believers. Find a church body, as, as tough as it is, 
especially sometimes in Southern culture where it seems like everybody's together and everyone has their kids and they're all, look, sometimes there are obvious unbelieving spouses and sometimes there are not so obvious unbelieving spouses. We have to be very serious about discipleship and evangelism in our church bodies for that very reason. And so I just want to encourage you that you're not alone to find a biblical body of believers, find people chasing Christ, and make them a part of your lives because you are not to walk this out by yourself. I think that's, that's the main right. thing I want. I would love to just make sure everyone had implanted every morning and every night. But you have something to say to the unbelieving spouses. And this is difficult uh, because um, every individual who has not yet come to know Christ uh, is acting according to their nature and is acting according to their experiences. And perhaps they had negative experiences in church when they were younger, maybe a fundamentalist type of environment where legalistic. everybody was legalistic. Sure. Or maybe uh, they didn't have a, um, a church background at all. Um, but there is within every individual choices mm -hmm. that we can choose to be amenable. We can choose to give our very best self to the other as much as possible. Yeah. But good. ultimately, uh, if you have not yet come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your believing spouse is not going to be the one and only person that God wants to use in your life. <laughs> That's really good. That, that, that believing spouse may be doing the very best that he or she can do, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be enough. Right. Ultimately, you're going to have to um, just give ear. And meet, and say, Jesus, meet and, Jesus Christ and, where and, you are. And it's, and it's about Christ. Even though your spouse is doing the very best that he or she can, ultimately it's knowing that Jesus Christ suffered because of our sin and that when we realize just how sinful we are, that he is there with open arms to forgive us. And uh, listen, our church is made up of, um, and, and I know, th listen, I've heard so many articles about, oh, the people who are coming to the Lord, they're never referred to in the scripture as forgiven sinners, mm. you know, but we're called saints. I know that's how the Bible addresses people who come to know the Lord, but let me tell you how we think of ourselves. Right. We are forgiven sinners Amen. and we're just grateful that God spoke to us and we hope and pray that God will speak to you uh, through uh, either reading the scripture, seeing Christians act like Christians, and even asking you to forgive people who say they're Christians that they're not acting like Christians. Right. Um, so anyway. As a fellow victim yeah. of God's grace, I completely agree with you. Um, <laughs> and I'm thankful for you, Pastor. Thank you for the wisdom and uh, for pointing us to the scriptures and everything we say and do. Hopefully that is always our goal here. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please uh, feel free to share this video, share this podcast. We would love 
uh, for someone to hear it who may be just pleasantly surprised that this issue was uh, talked about or touched on. And if you have any questions, please email us uh, or get in touch with us through um, Facebook or Instagram. We would love to hear from you. We hope you have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week, and hopefully we see you soon. Well, there's two things I want to say before oh, you want we to go. Add? Okay. All right. Number one, for you who are watching uh, this video and you know someone is going through this, would you be a support for them? That's great. Yeah. Um, they need you at this point. And uh, number two, even though we have tried to give the example that they're both men and women who are believers living with an, uh, an unbelieving spouse, we know our experience is most of the time that it's the wives mm -hmm. and the mothers who are believing by themselves bearing the brunt and uh this coming uh sunday is mother's day mm. and uh, we want to wish all of you ladies uh a happy mother's day and uh, especially we want to pray for you who are mothers uh, who feel like you're standing alone mm. uh, we don't want you to stand alone we want to stand with you that's a great word. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next time on The Roundtables.